Welcome to the Interstate Mets Report with your hosts, Nelson and Chris. What's up? What's up, everyone? It's your boy CP here with my co-host Nelson from Amish Country Mets Fan. It is January 12th, and we are here to talk about some New York Mets baseball back on the Interstate Mets Report. And Nelson, I know you have some weather troubles over there. Hopefully we get you for the full show, but if not, then I'll continue the torch and uh, hopefully we get you back. But um, like I said, before we get into anything, make sure you hit that thumbs up, subscribe to both channels down in the description down below and hit the live chat, hit the comment section. We'll prop up uh, the comments per usual and have a conversation. Nelson, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Just uh, trying to batten down the hatches because this wind and rain and snow is coming. So, Getting everything, everything, getting everything settled before all hell breaks loose. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and um, I, I think that that notion that you just said before all hell breaks loose can be applied to this off season as well because we are uh, on the verge, I think, of seeing a fluster of moves, and we we are seeing a flurry of moves already happening. So I think that we have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, pertaining to the Mets and news around the league, we'll get into that. Make sure you all hit the. Follow button on our Interstate Mets account on X. You know where to find us individually. My YouTube is at CPNY Sports. You can subscribe there. I appreciate everyone's support past the 400 subscriber mark. I definitely appreciate the support. Been trying to do regular live streams on um, the Interstate Mets Report. Did my first ever live stream yesterday on True Mets Talk podcast. And obviously dropping daily videos almost at this point when I have some time on my hands. And subscribe to Nelson's YouTube channel as well. Um, do you want to kind of give an idea of what you got what you got coming up for the podcast? I know you got daily videos dropping on both x and your youtube as well so tell the viewers about that yeah no i just kind of react to the news as it comes um obviously there hasn't been a ton of mets news so just um commenting on what i can like i, I did one on the um stearns's comments the other day during the podcast he did with sherman and Heyman, which i found yeah. i found that one that interview was actually more informative and to me, entertaining than the Zoom conference that he did. He didn't say quite as much there, but with um, Sherman and Heyman, he, he did kind of open up a little more. Um, so yeah, I'm just doing videos as I can. Um, I'm gonna, I might try to freaking start expanding my horizons into some other content too, because the Mets are, are not providing as much lately as as I'd like. But we'll see. And uh, before we we jump in, I do want to shout out. I see uh, my guy Tom's here and and Elliot from from X. I see as well. So shout out to them and everybody else is watching. Yuki, Yuki's a a long time uh, listener, watcher, whatever. Um, so appreciate everybody. And yeah, let's let's talk some ball. Yeah, shout out the chat. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Keep dropping those comments and any questions that you may have or your own opinions, and we'll prop them up here as we're talking about the Mets. Good evening to you as well, Tom. Um, you know, shout out Elliot, shout out Sanders here. Um, we talk, we, we're gonna talk about Jorge Soler, obvious. Um, we got Ethan in the chat as well. Uh, we got Uncle Ted here asking why Marte is playing in the winter league. So we got a lot to talk about. Jeff is here as well. Shout out Jeff and Daniel. Thank you. 
Daniel made it. I know you missed, uh, hopefully you caught the replay of the True Mets Talk Live yesterday. So I'm glad you're here, Daniel. So let's talk about it. We saw some arbitration values go down for the New York Mets yesterday. That was the talk of the town outside of the Jorge Soler sort of steam that we are gaining that we're going to talk about in the next slide here. But we do have arbitration agreements with pretty much everybody that was eligible outside of in the red here, you can see Phil Bickford is still negotiating. I think the Mets were at 815000 and he was at 900000 even. So that's neither here nor there. Phil Bickford is Phil Bickford. Remains to be seen what his status is going to be moving forward. But the main news, the man of the hour was top, top of your screen here, Pete Alonzo, coming in at $20.5 million. And I have these guys in green because of the six guys you see on the screen here, only two of them signed for more than their projected values. And even Pete Alonso signed for under. Um, I believe Spotrack had him at 21.1, and I believe Joe DeMeo said somewhere around 22. So somewhere in that 22 ballpark, 21 and a half, and we get him at 20 and a half for this season. Obviously, this is not a contract extension. Um, for those of you on the chat, I'm sure you're well-informed of how arbitration works, but this is not an extension. This is just a single-season mark value before he is set to hit free agency next offseason. So anything pop out on your screen here that surprised you or you want to talk about as it pertains to these six guys, Nelson? Uh, no, nothing too surprising. I, I I guess maybe I expected Pete to get a little more, but he did have it down here. They settled at 20 and a half. That's not bad. Um, Hauser makes sense. Drew Smith's, I don't think he should be, be paid anything, but that's besides the point. Uh, Tyrone Taylor went a little over. I'm not sure why Peterson went over, but whatever. He's it shocked me goal. too. Um, yeah, shocking. Lucchese, that's all right. Bigford, I mean, I don't, I mean, in one sense, I get it. You can't just give everybody what they want, but why we're arguing over 70,000 bucks or, or whatever the hell it is, is, I don't, whatever. But I will go to arbitration and, and they'll settle it. Um, either way, he's not going to make much more. Obviously, I think he said he wanted like 900,000, so less than a million there. Um, yeah, no, nothing real crazy. I mean, if anything, the the big news with the arbitration numbers was Soto getting uh, the record amount. Um, he got like thirty one mil. So we'll see where that contract goes next year. But uh, that yeah. beat Otani's, right? He was she was trying to beat Otani. Yeah, he beat Otani's number. Um, so yeah, I mean, nothing crazy. The Mets end up all in all saving a few few bucks here or there but um it's not not anything that's really gonna affect i don't like i don't think that the, it's not enough money that it's gonna like change their their plan and their outlook so all in all it is what it is look good to have all this settled though and just have the bickford stuff to worry about and then we'll see where stearns allocates the rest of the funds whatever it is that we do have to play with yeah, absolutely. And like you said, this is just pennies on the dollar that the Mets ended up saving with the guys in orange versus the guys in green that went over, right? David Peterson coming off of hip surgery, expecting him about midway through 2024. Not quite sure why he went above market value, but it is what it is. Uh, David Stearns with his ties to his boy Tyrone Taylor, uh, getting a little bit above market value. But like I, you know, like you're saying, overall, not much impact there in terms of money saved. But the, the, the text in white here is something that does intrigue me. And I think a lot 
people ought to sort of go on Spotrack or Fangraphs themselves and sort of look at these values too in terms of how they're projected um, top to bottom. And they have the rankings in terms of the payroll, um, both just the 26-man roster payroll and then also the arbitration values and tax values added in. I chose to sort of pull the 26-man payroll as it is values for this coming season. And the Mets are second ranked right behind the New York Yankees. And we can all honestly say that this roster really isn't where we want it to be, right? And to sit there and be second in the league with fans cons consistently calling this team a small market team just never made quite, you know, it doesn't make sense to me because I just don't know if they don't go on Spotrack. I don't know if they don't go on fan graphs. I don't even think they know what the actual payroll amount is versus what the luxury tax threshold is. And given how mediocre this roster is right now, I'm going to call a spade a spade. It's rosters mediocre for what the New York Mets ought to be with that 269, 270, 26 man payroll. Uh, I don't know. That's how I see it. That's how I value it. And I think that the Mets hands were really tied when you take into consideration that the Mets were already at a disadvantage going into this offseason before it even began. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I think we're in a situation where most Mets fans see it as it's not my money. I don't care. Um, they also see the fact that Stearns is a gazillionaire and, and they don't they don't understand why he wouldn't just spend every single dime he has on this team. And let's face it, it's just not realistic. Like, there are financial constraints when you're paying. Things just didn't work out, right? Like, when you're paying for a Scherzer and a Verlander, and when you paid them, you expected them to be on your team for the duration of their contracts and to be, like, the aces of the squad and to, like, really be um, leading this team going into this year. And it, it didn't happen, right? So now you can't just keep compounding the problem and throwing money at just anybody. And that's where people have to, like, really understand. Like, if you keep just throwing money at guys that just you don't deem to be worth it, it doesn't make sense. You can't – Stern's obviously valued players at a certain level. And he looked at it and said – Yamamoto's a guy I, I want to throw money at. Didn't work out, right? But to then turn around and say, I'm just going to give that money to Snell or, or Montgomery or whatnot. If you don't value them to that level, then that doesn't make sense. You have to be smart. Um, and listen, he 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 wants to. He said it in that interview with Sherman and, and Heyman. He wants to leave spots open for these kids to be able to come up and prove whether or not they have they can make the team next year and they can be a, a contribution if they can't then he's got to shift his focus and shift the plan and, and figure something else out but he needs to figure that out this year right so yeah it's not the roster we all would have loved um, it's not the way I don't think either of us would have went with it, but at this point, it is what it is. We have to roll with what we got, um, and hopefully, we're pleasantly surprised, man. Some of the, this roster does have upside, like absolutely. absolutely. Ryan has upside. Severino has upside, given that he was a, a stud pitcher, and and he yeah he had a down year, but if he bounces back, that changes things tremendously.
if Marte somehow has a season more like 2022 Marte, that changes things tremendously. If Brett Beatty isn't a bum <laughs> and actually plays his potential that he did in the minor leagues, then like all that can change the dynamic of this team. So, and yeah, like I've said in my videos, like it can also go the other way, right? Like it's not, we hope it goes that route that everybody goes above and beyond, but it can also go horribly. And a lot of these guys can get hurt and whatnot, but the plus side there is most of these guys are on short-term deals. So it's easy to, to, to regroup next year and figure it out. So that's, that's my opinion on it. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the, the reason the art behind these deals anyways, was to regroup for next off season anyways. Right. I mean, Mania has the opt out Severino's on a one year deal. You see all the depth piece signings for the bullpen, like these, this off season, these moves, um, we're all designed for that. And shout out Grant as well. Um, you know, Jack got invited to big league camp. I actually didn't see that, but thank you for breaking that. And thank you for tuning into the stream. That's huge. That's your guy right there. That's Jet Williams. He just got a spring training big league invite. That's huge. Yeah, man. That, that's big, big. Um, obviously, I don't think he's going to make the team out of camp, but good for him for, for getting that invite. Um, shout out Grant and congrats to him for getting his page back. Uh, Jenny Metz is, is back and operating again. So congrats. Um, good to see that. And uh yeah, man, I mean, I'd love to see see Jet. He's I've told you time and time again, he's my favorite prospect. Um, so definitely want to see what he can do. And I do think there's a world where Jet Williams, if he continues his ascent in the minors, could see a call-up at some point in the end of the year, whether it be a September call-up or or maybe a late August move because of injury or something. Like, I, I could see it. Like, the dude has that, that potential. So it might not be likely, but it's possible. Yeah, and, and and I have the graphic up here for the expectations in 2024. We'll talk about some of the prospects that may or may not be coming up in 2024. But before we move on to the DH situation, let's get to some of the comments here. Um, we got Tom saying, bottom line, Cohen is rich, but no matter how rich he is, he doesn't want to pay for any more luxury tax than he needs to. It's giving money away. I agree, and I agree specifically for this offseason because – Cohen is not a fool. He knows this team is not going to be competing for a division, just like all of us objective fans know that they're not going to be competing for a division. Unless you're uh, the homerest of homers, right, for this team, which is great, more power to you, keeping a positive mindset, this team is not competing with the Braves, and I don't think they'll be competing with the Phillies as well. Those are the top two teams in the division. The Mets are not that. They can sneak into the wild card, but why would Cohen keep adding on exponentially to this roster? He already has. Why would he add on 30 to 40 more million dollars and accrue that luxury tax steadily for a roster that's not going to compete with those teams? So and I agree with you, Tom. And Tom also made a comment here up about Pete Alonzo talking about um, this arbitration value might be good, a good sign in terms of getting an extension under $30 million AAV. It could, but it couldn't. Like I said, I don't know. Like, most of the times, right, arbitration does have a direct correlation with the guy who's hitting free agency in terms of what they're going to be making AAV. Obviously, the AAV for their extension, presumably, unless they stink it up, then the very next season is going to be higher than what the arbitration value is. But I truly do think Boris is not a fool. Like, they took this because they didn't want to drag it out. 
But I really do think Pete and his camp are going to be asking for the moon this 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 offseason. So, yeah, I next expect, season, I should say. Yeah, I expect the same. And listen, as far as Cohen's concerned, like he was still willing to throw that money out there. Like he offered Yamamoto three hundred and twenty something million dollars. So it's not like I I love the fans that are like, oh, he's gone cheap and we're not going to spend money anymore. This is just a sign that. He brought in Stearns to penny pinch, and it's like, dude, if that were the case, we would have not even talked to Yamamoto. Like that, yeah. Obviously, we had a different plan if Yamamoto had signed. Um, was it to sign every single person out there? No, but I think if he had signed, maybe we would have been a little more aggressive. Um, but it is what it is. He didn't sign, and, and Cohen's like, you know what? Let me not have to spend more and more on the luxury tax than I already do. Like, and I don't blame them for that. So, I don't know. Fans are going to complain no matter what. So, there's nothing we can do about it. But all we can do is try to be reasonable and and shine the light on on why things are the way that they are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. Like, there's no reasoning with some people. Uh, two topics that I wanted to get into before we move on to the next screen is one. Um, let's see here. I see in the comments there's a good comment here. Um, right here, Grant saying Stearns is building this pen like he did in Milwaukee. The depth is crazy. The kid Max Krennic, we just picked up today, for example, he could be a solid piece. And this is something that I've been seeing with the bullpen, right? We saw it early on with Kyle Crick, Austin Adams. We're continuing to see it. Or your Andre Scrubs, um, your Max Krennics, um, your Yaxel Rioses, all, all, all these guys. Not much sample size to go with them, right? But it's a luxury to have options when you get into that season. And like you said, and like you've been saying on this stream, you throw something at the wall in the front of the bullpen and it sticks. The major guys that you sign are going to be in the back end of the rotation anyways. And we just saw a guy come off the board today and Jordan Hicks being that guy for the, for the San Francisco Giants moving forward. But the front of this pen... Right. When you talk about Phil Bickford, who we have on the screen here, who hasn't come to an arbitration value. When you talk about your Drew Smiths, your Sean Reed Foley's, if this, if those guys do not pan out, the New York Mets have options at this point. They have options. And that is comforting to me as a fan. And that's what I appreciate about the approach in the front of the bullpen this offseason so far. What do you think, Nelson? Yeah, man. I mean, what did we see last year when the pen kind of fell apart with injuries and whatnot? We kept seeing the same two or three guys that were awful. And then we ended up trading for a freaking Trevor Gott, who was awful. And it was just like the same dudes running out there over and over again. Now, at least we have different options. You can stash some of these guys in the minors if they don't make the team out of camp. Um, and, and you can you can fix put this together to where you can actually have a, a pretty – solid bullpen and we saw today we got the danny young signing uh shout out um keith from shay and sons he had that a few days ago um i think i, I told i handed it to you and rob in, in the one group yeah. chat uh let Absolutely. you know gave you guys the heads up um so we we kind of knew that one was coming um a lefty he's a lefty arm so we'll see if it works out on uh, not a huge sample size the last couple of years so We'll see. As far as Kranich, Kranich is actually a starter with the Pirates. Um, at Tommy John and was out all of last year. So we'll see what, what he can bring to the table. Um, 
But yeah, the, the more arms, the better, man. You never know. Like one of these guys could be like a stud, and, and then you're in good shape. So you never know. I, and there's nothing wrong with minor league deals, one year deals. I, I don't have a problem with with any of that. So keep them coming. Obviously, he's hasn't he he hasn't stopped. Um, Tom did mention we did the DFA Cooper Hummel to make room. Um, so the, the, the Cooper Hummel era was very brief, <laughs> uh, but shout out him. And maybe he, he clears uh, waivers or whatever, and he's still in the minors, but uh, yeah, man, I, 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 I like this. I like, I like this way of building a bullpen. I do think we could use that like a fitting guy. Um, I don't know if we're going to sign him or, or what, but um Still, for the rest of the bullpen, I I really like what what he's done, and and you never know, this could actually end up being a very solid bullpen. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And like I said, David Stearns, he's three to four months in on the job. I'm not going to judge him by this offseason. He got handed an organization that was in cap space purgatory pretty much, right? And so we see that money come off the books and you see what he has or what he has to work with in an abundance of resources next offseason, then we can truly evaluate. I think that um, you know, the way this front office was handed handed to him and how the roster was handed to him is just not fair to evaluate him in the first four months of his tenure. So uh the second topic before we get into the DH situation is this report that came out about Ronnie Mauricio and Junior Swingman is, is talking about it here. Um, and we will address it as well. The New York Post article talking about why Ronnie Mauricio, despite the New York Mets organization, um, pretty much urging him not to go play in the, the Dominican Winter League ball, um, you know, the league this, this season, pretty much he went in terms of uh, foregoing their advice and, and it was due to monetary reasons, right? When he signed his bonus with the New York Mets at 16 years old for $2.1 million, there were some shady situations going on with a family member. Um, they weren't named. It wasn't named in terms of who the relation was to him. Doesn't matter. And also an agent, his former agent, uh, were operating under some shady businesses. And now he's sort of, I guess, I guess they alluded to the fact that he is struggling a little bit financially. And so he wanted to go play Dominican, um, the end of the Dominican winter league because you can make up to I think it was like 20 grand I'm not sure if that's US currency or, or their currency I'm not quite sure I don't want to speak on that because honestly just saw snippets of the article but there is monetary gain for him and there was monetary gain for him in terms of going to play in that league and it sucks because we all know the situation now he's out with an ACL injury um attempting to steal a base on one of the games early on and and unfortunately just I guess planted the wrong way and the ACL just kind of um, gave out. So, um, absolutely junior swing, man. It was an article that was kind of difficult to sort of comprehend in terms of how this can happen to somebody, um, in terms of their situation, their background. And you certainly got to feel for Ronnie Mauricio because he's not going to be able to go back out there and, um, you know, sort of prove himself in 2024 with the limited sample size that we saw from him in 2023. So hoping all the best in terms of a speedy recovery for me, uh, in terms of wishing Ron and Reese a speedy recovery, and hopefully we see him come back with the vengeance in 2025. And Nelson, I don't know if you have anything to add on to that, but definitely needed to be uh, talked about here. Yeah, no, man, it, it sucks because it happens more than we hear about, actually, these kids getting taken advantage of by their their agents or, or family or what have you when they sign deals at the, at the young ages that they do. Um, you see it a lot in other sports, too. I, I'm a big boxing guy. You see uh promoters boxing promoters taking advantage of, of their fighters all the time 
Um, and, and it sucks. Like these dudes like are trying to support their families and, and, and trying to make what money they can. And, and when you get these guys taking advantage of them, they end up in a situation like this where they have to do something that they maybe not necessarily wanted to. And it ended up costing him a whole season. Um, so, and a year of development and everything else. So it, it could cost him not only the money that they stole from him already, but it could cost him money down the line. Let's be real. Like if, if for whatever reason, this injury affects his career and he's not the player that he could have been, this could cost him millions of dollars. So people like that are scumbags and it sucks and it's no fault of his own. He was just trying to support his family. Um, so I, Wish him the best. Wish him a speedy recovery. It sucks that this went down like this. Um, sucks that the Mets couldn't have, like, worked something out. But yeah. I know there's, like, rules and stuff with all that. So, I, 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 but it is what it is. Like, I, it sucks. It, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah, just an unfortunate situation. Got a feel for him, especially with all the details coming to light about that situation. So, uh, you know, you know, hopefully he's getting his rest. Hopefully the ACL is recovering pretty well. And, Hopefully we see him come back stronger than ever in 2025. Um, the Mets are definitely going to miss him um, this year. So um, I said, we got about 27 going on 30 people in the chat. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs up on both streams. We're streaming it to both of our YouTubes. Subscribe to both YouTube channels and make sure you keep dropping those comments. Um, got some great thoughts and opinions in the comment section already, as we always do every week that we go live on this show. So I definitely appreciate everyone checking us out. If you're new here, definitely subscribe. Moving on to the D8 situation. We saw our latest report from Hector Gomez. Gomez as reliable or unreliable as you want to label Hector Gomez. That's up to your own interpretation. But we do have a report that followed up uh, a couple days. It was a couple day follow up from Robert Murray's original report saying that the New York Mets are actually interested in Jorge Soler when everything was quiet on the Jorge Soler front. Right. So um, first and foremost, just just flat out, are you buying or selling this report that the Mets are heavily interested in Jorge Soler given the whole sort of contract that they're willing to give out versus what he's looking for? Are you buying or selling? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of selling here. I don't really see it. But then again, I mean, you really do never know. I mean, the price could come down. Maybe he does. Maybe he looks at what Teoscar Hernandez did and took a one-year, 20-something million dollar deal and goes, you know what, I'll take a one-year deal. and. and and see if my market's a little better next year. And if that's the case, maybe the Mets are willing to pony up a little more money for if it's just a one-year deal. Um, so it's a possibility, but I, I'm really kind of selling on this one. I don't see it. If I had to guess, it is far more likely that it's a J.D. Martinez or a Justin Turner. Even more likely, I think, Justin Turner, just because he's – I think, again, he's more – of the three, I think he's the likeliest to take a shorter-term deal. Um, but I don't know. I could be entirely off base. But, but to me, like the Solaire thing, I'm not really buying right now. Yeah, not me either. I'm not buying it at all. I dropped a podcast episode on it today when I saw this Hector Gomez uh, uh, report on Twitter and everybody was starting to run with it. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. The New York Mets have had a plan this entire offseason with the exception of the name Yoshinobu Yamamoto and the contracts that they're willing to give out um, in terms of the years. 
And Jorge Soler has already been reported to want a three to four year deal, presumably that three year deal sweet spot, which is why he probably opted out of that Marlins contract anyways. Also, in the, the in addition to the fact that it was a low AAV um, salary anyways that he was scheduled to make with the Marlins. But regardless, like I don't see it happening unless something drastically changes in his market that he is willing to accept that Teoscar Hernandez-esque deal and the one-year deal to prove himself. Because Jorge Soler, let's not get it twisted. He's a great power hitter, one of the premier power bats, 36 home runs last season. But you look at years prior, like, I see inconsistencies in his statistics. I see inconsistencies in his game. He's not the best outfielder, right? We wouldn't be signing him to play outfield because I think our outfield's pretty much set anyways. But nonetheless... He's a pure DH, and some of the numbers aren't really consistent. So if he's going to want that three-year deal and stick to it, I cannot buy on this. I'm absolutely selling what Hector Gomez is saying, especially when you see the quotation saying highly interested. Not just interested. He's taking it a step further. Uh, you take it at face value for what it is. But, yeah, I agree with you. We've both been screaming Justin Turner on this podcast, on our channels, at all costs, right? Ibi here. I know you're a Justin Turner guy as well. Till that uh, till Mets do his part. Shout out you guys. You guys are always talking about Justin Turner. I believe that Justin Turner is the best fit contractually and um, just fit wise in terms of the Mets lineup and, and just slotting him in right behind Pete Alonso. Sneaky pop um, can hit for average. All fields hitter. Give me Justin Turner. Coupled with the fact that he is pretty versatile in defense. Although I wouldn't like to see a 39 year old play defense too much for the New York Mets in 2024. But to, to your point in the last slide, I think people, and myself included, I fall into this category as well because the way that I've been talking about Mark Vientos and DJ Stewart, uh, the DJ Stewart of the world for in-house options at DH, have been a little bit unfair to them. And I won't say this because they're not any sort of superstars. They have some sneaky pop in their bats. Mark Vientos, right, had nine home runs last season in 65 games. DJ Stewart had 11 home runs in 58 games. These guys can get you 20, maybe even 20-plus home runs in a good season for them. Now, are we expecting that? Should we bank on that? Absolutely not. That's a whole different topic. But they can. And if the Mets go in-house and truly just forego the DH altogether, okay, so be it. You want to get Mark Vientos at bats, I understand. But honestly, if we are in the ballpark of or if we're in the mindset that we want to win as many games as possible and we want to put the most competitive roster out there as possible, it has to be one of the names on the right-hand side of your screen in terms of going the external route. I mean, what do you think, Nelson? Yeah, I think if you're um, looking to win more games, I think it makes more sense to go the external external route. Um, like like you said, and and AB like you said have said it on his uh, their podcast that Till Mets do his part over and over. Uh, what make sure you guys are watching and subscribing to that if you haven't already. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, Turner to me is is a is a good fit. I don't know what his market is right now. He's, we've kind of heard the rumors that we were in on him, and then it kind of just died down. We haven't heard um, anything about him or JD Martinez for that matter lately. Um, so there's the name now that we're that apparently it's connected to three years, obviously isn't going to happen for us. Um, like I said, the only way it's going to happen is if it's a one you do. And you're right. He does have flaws in his game. I mean, all these guys have flaws in their game. Let's be real. But, um, he it's just, he, he's not, he's the least consistent of the bunch. Um, as far as the in-house options, listen, Vientos has proven he has pop, right? Uh, 
The bat at times seems a little slow. Um, we'll see. Uh, maybe given consistent playing time and just focusing on hitting. Like if you you give the guy the opportunity to just DH, he doesn't have to worry about playing the field and and worry about the fact that he's making errors left and right because let's face it, he's not a good fielder. Um, maybe if he's just focused on hitting, if you can un unlock a little extra there with the bat, it's possible. DJ Stewart, he's what 30 years old now. I, I'm not really, I mean, he had one pretty good month. I'm not really banking on Stewart to provide that much. Let's be honest. Uh, he's not a bad guy. He's, he's okay. He's a decent bench guy. But I think if anything, if we're going in house, Vientos more than likely is the guy you might, if Mendoza's smarter than Buck Showalter, which Showalter, which I hope he is, you might see Marte in that DH role more often because let's face it, you, you worry about his legs and, and that the hernia surgeries and this and that. So getting him off his feet and not in the outfield is probably a good idea. The fact that he pretty much never DH last year with all his issues made no sense. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, you might see just a combination of those three guys. It, it, we'll see. I, I mean, we we hope that that works and that leads to more more wins. But yeah, I think honestly, if we're looking, if winning games, in my opinion, and winning games is is the goal, winning more games, then to me, you kind of have to go the external route. I just I hate what we've had in the DH spot the last couple of years. And I'd like to have someone a little more proven to be in that role. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. Listen, I'm not going to knock Mark Vientos. Like, you look at his baseball savant page, the guy can hit the piss out of the ball. Like, when he makes contact and doesn't strike out because he's a high strikeout guy, right? He swings and misses a lot. His hard rate or his hard hit percentage, his barrel percentage is great. Like, do those translate to hits? Do those translate to home runs consistently? That's what we want to know, right? And and maybe more sample size from him and ample opportunity will reveal that. We don't know yet. Um, but like you said, just the, the optics of it. If we want to win ball games, why not get a complete hitter in here? And M easy. Why? Why? What does being 40 years old have to do with swinging a baseball bat? You don't have to run. I'm not asking him to leg out triples. I'm not asking anything like that. He hit 276, 23 home runs last season, around an 800 OPS. That's better production, light years better production than what we got from any DH last season. So, MEZ, why? What does 40 years old have to do with being a DH on a one, maybe fringe two-year deal? What? I, I need to know. Like, please hit the comments and tell me because I don't understand that line of thinking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Drifter wants to go in with Vientos. Um, like I said, if that's the case, I understand giving him at bats. I absolutely understand giving him at bats. Uh, Daniel saying the same thing with Vientos needing more time and shout out Stevie Max also in the chat as well. Um, we got talking Mets with Rob shout out Rob. I'm not sure if he's going live today, but make sure you guys go check out his channel and we got a special comment here. Jojo saying shout out to all the girl scouts. There you go. Selling cookies. Uh, let's go little Amish. There you go. There you go. I saw that. Hopefully, hopefully the post helped her out. It has. Thank you, everybody that that that's uh, ordered some cookies. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> she said thank you. She's hiding behind her little bear. Um, so hello, everybody. Thanks, Jojo. All right, you can go. Um, 
but yeah, uh, shout out Jojo for 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 saying that um she's trying to, to sell some cookies and and we'll see we'll see how it goes. I appreciate everybody that's helped out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um we see we got some more comments here while talking about the DH sort of situation. Uh any of those three are better than Vogelback. It's an upgrade. Absolutely. Like I said, um yeah, I don't understand why you don't want to sign a 40-year-old to swing a baseball bat for the New York Mets in 2024 on a one-year deal. I don't understand it at all, MEZ. That point, that argument is not is not a good one in my eyes that, at that all. That point makes sense if, if it's a two- or three- or four-year deal. Like, obviously, you're signing a 40-year-old to, to multiple years. That's stupid. But for a one-year deal, yeah. it's it's I perfectly fine to take a chance on a, a guy that that had a solid year last year. So... I mean, yeah, maybe given our luck, he freaking ends up this being the year that he he goes down to two. But I, I would take that chance on a one-year deal. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Jeff agrees with you as well. And NBC saying Turner's still productive, don't care about his age, no such thing as a bad one-year deal. Absolutely. Like I said, it's a plug-in type play sort of signing. Listen, I understand we want to get younger. I understand the optics of that, uh, MEZ. Like there, I will understand with you. But like, Listen, man, if you want to see this team be competitive, if you want to see maximized production out of Pete Alonso, you go, ha you have to sign a DH, man. I don't, I, I don't, it doesn't matter. Like it does, you have to sign a DH. And I like Turner to fit that bill because honestly, I'm not even confident JD Martinez takes a one year deal. You're definitely looking at two to three years for JD Martinez with the type of season that he just turned out. And he's what, 35 going on 36 years old. I think he's actually 36 years old. So he's not quite as old as Justin Turner. But he's an all-star in each of the last three seasons. So J.D. Martinez and Jorge Soler are not even in the realm of a one-year deal. Your best bet if you don't go in-house is go Justin Turner because you're not tied down for too long, one year. So, like I said, uh, that, that's, that's, that's my argument. And I could be out of base. I could be out of line. But I see a lot of people agreeing with me here as well. So, Uncle yeah, Ted just wants to agree with you. Win at all costs. Yeah, that's Josh, it. that's busted knuckles there for uh, watching. Um, Shout out, Josh. Yeah, there, there, he, there really is no such thing as a bad one-year deal. If they suck, it's only for a year. You move on. Um, it, I just, I don't see the problem. Um, would it be nice if we could get someone younger? Sure, but like, who are you getting on a short-term deal? If our strategy is is short-term deal deals here, you're not not going to get unless you trade for a guy. You're just not going to get a younger younger guy here. So. You either go in house with what we got, and if you don't like that, then you have to sign one one of these guys. And Justin Turner's the, the to me and to you and to a lot of us is is the one the fit that makes the most sense. And it's not Gio Urshela. I just want to put out there, it's not Gio Urshela. He's not coming here to DH for anyone who needs to hear that. He's coming here to back up Brett Beatty, baby. <laughs> back up Brett Beatty. I like that. See, that's fine. Back him up all you want, but he's not coming here to start for the New York Mets in 2024. I just want to get that out of the way. Anyway, shout out everybody in the chat. What about, what about Matt Chapman? <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's Tone, man? Where's Tone? Hey, man, honestly, when we were talking about the hot stove live earlier uh, a couple days ago with, with uh, talking Mets with Rob, wh what if a Jesus Lazardo trade is in the works with Brett Beatty in there? Then you kind of have to make a, a move there at third base. I don't know. I don't know. Swing man saying, I'm not convinced that JD even wants to play on the East Coast. Uh, Daniel's making the, the argument for JD. How many Mets are going to hit 33 home runs like he did last season? I agree. The pop is there. Absolutely. But when you tie yourself down, like he's going to be, if you give him a three-year deal, 
Like, if that's what he wants, you're going to be talking the same conversation about not wanting to sign a 39-year-old Justin Turner, but you're going to get 39-year-old J.D. Martinez. So, listen, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough topic. I understand this bridge year is tough and all, for all parties involved here. So, um, the idea here really, uh, the idea here is really based on a DH market bottoming out. If it stays in the two plus year range for these guys, then Vientos will be the guy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. They're having and they're doing they're doing their due diligence um, with all three guys on the right hand side. And like I said, I will not be upset at this point, given how this offseason has played out. If Mark Vientos gets that uh, role as the DH, but you guys got to be content with either Alvarez or Marte hitting fifth. And that's just not like Alvarez probably is the better fit for that. But are we going to put that pressure on him in year two, given how he ended the, the season in 2023? And Marte is not going to give you any power at all. There's no protection for Pete Alonso uh, there at all with Starling Marte at all. So I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of inner workings at play here, a lot of outside factors, and the DH remains to be seen. So like I said, Justin Turner's my guy. I'm easy. I know you don't agree. A lot of people do agree, agree in the chat. I think Amish here agrees as well. Um, there really is no bad answer here in terms of the right-hand side. I'll take any one of those guys as long as the Mets are willing to give out that contract, right? So uh, let's move on here. Expectations in 2024. We have a couple of reports up at the top. One is absolutely factual, coming from the man himself, David Stearns. The other one could be myth. Could be myth, could be fact, right? Mets have around, quote-unquote, around, keyword, $10 million left to spend this offseason per Andy Martino on the SNY Mets Hot Stove Live. Are you buying or selling that, uh, Nelson? With with Given what we know about Andy Martino, are you buying or selling that quote? I mean, I don't like to give Martino any props. I can see where that's true just because we talked about it earlier. Why do you want to keep spending money and make that tax bill even higher on yourself especially if it's for guys that you don't deem worth like if it's guys that you don't really think are going to make as much of a difference and and you don't think are as good as, as what they're going to make then it just doesn't make sense and and there really isn't i think a free agent out there that is a difference maker in my opinion that is worth like splurging on I, that's what I, I feel like if they fall into our parameters or what we want to spend. Yeah, great. But I'm I'm not I don't want to overpay for for anybody, any of these guys that are really left out there. Trade market's different. Obviously, if there's a trade to be made that can improve this team, uh, money to me isn't I don't really care about the money. Obviously, we there might still be some financial constraints there, but at least with trades like you're maybe you can get guys that are cost controlled for a few years and and help you out not only this year but beyond this year so we'll see uh so far i mean we we're only giving out like minor league <laughs> deals here and there so it certainly seems that martino could be could be right about the 10 million dollar mark yeah, absolutely. And like I said, that's not a hard cap on 10 million. He did follow that up and saying um, it's around the ballpark. It's not a hard 10, maybe talking about 12 to 15. But if that is the case, then anything that we talked about in the previous slide presumably doesn't matter because um, I don't think any one of those guys are going to sign for less than 10, less than 12, even less than 13. Those guys are looking at 15 plus and 15 is probably... I mean, it's probably on the generous side for us as, as, as you know, the Mets fans uh, hoping to, for them to agree to that contract. So um, yeah, absolutely. I think Andy Martino, as much as he reports with bias, um, 
you know, when he uh, reports on the Yankees compared to the Mets, I, I think that he's actually factual in his in his assessment. Uh, whether it's 10 to 15 doesn't really matter, even 17, right? Around the ballpark is what we're talking about. And this is really the first report that we're hearing about any sort of constraints um, surrounding this Mets front office. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, given the way this roster is shaking out. Second report here, Drew Gilbert will start in, uh, in AAA in 2024. Um, second question is, do we think we see a Drew Gilbert debut? I guess first question is before the trade deadline or before the all-star break, excuse me, and then or, or just in 2024 in general. Will we see Drew Gilbert out there in the outfield for the New York Mets? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, barring obviously the injuries or, or – I mean, I, I wouldn't see it, but the, if he just bombs in AAA, like, I don't think that's going to happen. Barring either of those things, I'm pretty sure we will. I mean, if he's starting in AAA, I, it, we would seem that he's going to make it up at some point, right? Um, and obviously, health is a thing, too. Like, yeah, right now we're going to roll with Bader, Nimmo, Marte, what have you. But if any of those guys get hurt, that opens the door, right? So, like, I do think at some point we do see Drew Gilbert. Like I said before, we could even see Jet Williams, Acuna. Um, there's there's a few guys that, that we may actually see up and helping this team during the 2024 season. Like, I – and it, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive we are, though. Like, because obviously the last regime – and regimes past have been super conservative in calling these guys up. So maybe with David Stearns at the helm, there's a shift in that thinking, and and we see more of the the aggressiveness in in calling guys up. I mean, we see it with other teams. Guys will, will skip AAA altogether. Um, the Mets haven't had a tendency to do that, but maybe now that Stearns is, is at the helm, things change. And yeah, once. It'll obviously also depend on how this team is doing, right? Like, if this team is contending and looks like it's going to be in the hunt for a playoff spot, then come trade deadline time, we might be looking to add pieces that might keep Gilbert in the minors, right? But if the season goes to hell, <laughs> you might see a situation where, where we're like, you know what, we just want to see what the kids got and let's let's go that route. So. Anything can happen, but I do think at some point, one way or another, even if it's just in September, Joe Gilbert will be a New York Met um, and playing in Queens. I agree with you. Absolutely. Ibby knows. I'm all about Drew Gilbert, man. I'm on the Drew Gilbert train. Uh, I said it months ago when 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 Rob asked us on the Hot Stove Live who our top prospect is, who our favorite prospect is in the Mets farm system. I said Drew Gilbert absolutely has the tools to be a five-tool player, um, and I just love what I see from him both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Carlos, same thing. I know he's a Drew Gilbert guy. Uh, we got a little we got a little bit of a Drew Gilbert hive in the chat, so I like that. I like that a lot. Um, let's see here. We got some more comments here. Um, Josh is saying, I think Gilbert and Acuna can be up after the deadline moves. If the Mets are out of it and start to move guys. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, this is about waiting and seeing in the first half of the season, um, how the Mets are going to shake out. And I think talking Mets with Rob firmly believes that as well. And that seems to be pointing, all signs seem to be pointing to that. 
Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of those prospects, those those guys that are fringe ready start to come up. Even your Mike Vazels are going to be on that list to come up and see what he's got, right? Uh, so I think that we can definitely see that in terms of how the Mets manage uh, the farm system. And I think that you're right. A lot of times, I, I can't remember before, I can't remember who the last Met was. I think it was Michael Conforto to go from double A straight to the majors, right? I don't think anyone in between did that outside of Conforto. So that's not something that we're accustomed to seeing, but it does, I am getting the sense that that J David Stearns is in the in the realm of mindset to sort of bypass AAA. Now we're not seeing now Drew Gilbert, but I firmly do believe if we see a Jet Williams go back down, who knows, maybe his AAA as well after spring training, but maybe he, he goes back down to AA or even a Luis Angel Acuna if he impresses in AA. I know he struggled a little bit in the latter half of the season last season when he came over to the New York Mets. Those guys can go from AA right to the major leagues. And I, like I said, I don't want to call AAA, you know, useless, but at this rate with the competition that they're seeing and, and the way that AAA is sort of looked upon compared to AA, I'm not quite sure what sort of value it would have, especially when we've seen with Beatty and Vientos. So like I said, I know it's not a one size fits all with every prospect. That's just some food for thought, though. Um, let's see here. We got Sanders in the chat. I guess Cohen and Stearns are saving the millions for December superstar free agents. And that can be something that we can have a conversation about when it gets to the next offseason. I know that it takes a lot of patience and a lot of people in this, you know, I've just seen some comments in this chat, um, comments on Twitter that people aren't patient. And that's fine. Not everyone's built for, to be patient and wait a whole season to see how it's going to play out, given you know, the expectation that this team was supposed to go in with. So, um, but that certainly does seem to be the case. Shout out Kenny checking into the stream. There's a strong likelihood that one or more of our outfielders will spend significant time in the aisle. See, I see. I don't want to say I agree with that because I don't want to talk on injuries like that. That's not what I'm in the, in, the, in the business of doing. But at the end of the day, Kenny, you are right because we look at the sample size of, of games just flat out that we've seen from our outfielders right now on the roster, Starling Marte and, and Harrison Bader. They don't have the biggest of workloads in the last couple of seasons, at least last season, first and foremost. Brandon Nemo has his own injury histories. We talked about that on the Mets Hot Stove Live. Like this platoon of outfielders are shaky in terms of the injury history. So I don't want to say and foreshadow that, but if any one of those guys goes down, are we really going to rely on a DJ Stewart to go out and man the outfield every single day? I mean, we might. But if Drew Gilbert's right there, then why not just call him up? If you think that he's truly ready and you're not rushing him and he's ready for those bright lights in Queens, then then why is he? why would he not be the next man up? So that's where I think that I wouldn't be shocked in a scenario like Kenny's saying here if Drew Gilbert comes up before the All-Star break. But then there had to be a sort of an emergency situation and the roster moves would have to sort of play out accordingly. So um, that's really the only sort of uh, reason I, I see for a Drew a Gilbert call up before the trade deadline or the before the all-star break. Sorry, I keep getting those two dates mixed up. But yeah, like I said, 2024 expectations are as such. And the 2024 expectations are deliberately going to be relying on these decisions slash, slash factors that we see on your screen here. Is it going to be a five or six man rotation? Beatty Marte resurgence. You talked about that in the previous slide. Uh, Severino Manaya, are they going to have what kind of production are they going to bring to the table on those one year deals? Well, Manaya, two year deal with the opt out. 
the prospect debuts that we're talking about here, Vazel, Drew Gilbert, etc. Who else is coming up? Are they going to get their their shine um, in Queens in 2024 before that ever so important 2025 offseason? All these things on your screen on your screen here at the bottom are directly related to how this 2024 season is going to play out. Nelson, do you see any one of these bullet points that you want to kind of expand on? Um, I mean. They're pretty much uh, this. This uh, pretty much all of it is what make or makes or breaks this season, right? Like um, five or six men. I mean, at this point, they could just roll with a five man. I could see it. Um, if that's the case, and we're looking, what is that? That's Senga. That's um, Quintana, Severino, Hauser, and Manaya. Not in that order necessarily. I'm, I was just throwing the names out there. Um, if you're going six, then you're looking at much as I hate to say his name, Miguel and uh, freaking um, Jose Budo, Joey Lucchese. So I mean, I, either or could could be a possibility. I guess um, we'll see what Mendoza decides in the spring. Um, Beatty and Marte really that makes a huge difference. Um, if Beatty can find himself and be what he was in Triple A, in Double A, like the guy looked like a solid major league player, um, like he could be a solid major league player. So if he can find himself with more at bats, um, if he can get out of his head, then yeah, that changes a lot, man. That 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 lengthens the lineup. Um, if somehow Marte can give us anything, that again lengthens the lineup. We saw the difference maker that Marte could be in 2022. Um, and it showed when he got hurt at the end of September, that's when the Mets re or at the beginning of September in 2022, that's when the Mets really started to take a slide. Like he got hurt and they lost like their spark plug. So, and then last year we didn't really, I mean, he, he was useless. So if we can find a way to get him back, then yeah, that changes the dynamic huge. Um, Severino and Manaya, listen, if Severino is last year's Severino, then the Mets are in bad shape. Let's be real. Uh, Trouble, yeah. We, we we don't – we need – in order for the Mets to compete um, and maybe be in that wild card hunt and win 80-something games, we need Severino to bounce back. Um, we need Manaya to finish or to pitch more like he pitched the end of last year. Um, and and maybe give us even more given that he he's been at the driveline um lab and, and working on his stuff and apparently his fastball's up to like 97 like if he can harness that stuff and be a guy that looks like a, a solid pitcher and, and can more of a middle of the rotation arm than a back of the rotation arm then huge it, it, it it's a huge boost to this team um i see josh mentioned that budo and mcgill finished 2023 looking good listen i i'm not a mcgill guy i don't care how he finished 2023 i think he's a bum i'm just gonna flat out say it I, you could disagree with me if you want i don't like him budo we'll see budo to me i don't know i feel like he's more his stuff screams more of a bullpen guy to me but i could be wrong maybe he's got something there um and prospects like you never know man like it's about time that we get 
it, I think you're right, Mark. Comforto, I think, was one of the last guys that we, like, called up from, like, double A, and he came up and he kind of, like, really lit a spark in the team. That was in 2015 when we ended up getting Cespedes and everything, and things just broke right that after that trade deadline. So if we can finally get some prospect luck and get one of these guys to come up and just, like, take off running, like somehow the Braves always do, <laughs> like, why can't that be us for once, right? So it's a lot of what-ifs, man. So uh, it sucks because there's a world where things finally do work, come up, sunshine and rainbows for the New York Mets. It's It hasn't happened, but it, it's, it, it's a possibility. But there's also a world where it all goes to hell and, and we're looking to trade any and everybody. And it's on to 2025. It's oh, There's always next year, right? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. At, at this point, your question here, more than 75 wins or no, I would say yes. I think we can win 80 games, 82. Um, and if things really do go well for us, then obviously that number can go higher. I think I saw, I want to shout out, uh, where is the comment? Um, Elliot, if you don't listen or if you're not on, or if you are on X and you're not checking out Elliot's spaces, please do. Um, he's a good dude. He's always on there doing spaces and he's a more, more of a positive guy. He's been saying 87 wins. He's standing by that. It's a little more than I would say, but shout out him. I, I mean, I would love it. If we can win 87 games and make the playoffs, once you do that, anything can happen in the playoffs, right? So we'll see what happens. Um, I feel like we're at least an 80-win team at this point. And who knows? If we add a couple pieces here or there, then that can then bounce up a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I think 87 may be a little ambitious, but shout out Elliot in terms of believing that and having full confidence in that. I think 80 to 82 is definitely the, my range, and I've been saying that for the last couple of streams as well in terms of how this roster is shaking out. Um, but on the flip side, if the Mets are a complete bust, right? Um, they have contracts that are controllable that they they, they gave out this offseason that can be flipped at the deadline. And I know that a lot of people would prefer to be competitive and not flip those contracts, but it is what it is. Drifter saying that here can't depend on that to be fair. A playoff season makes it more likely like a big free agent signs in 2025. If they win 70 games, Mets may be uh, used to the hike price. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean. Like I said, there's a lot of external factors here at play, especially when we're talking about the big names that hit the open market. Ultimately, the checkbook, is that going to matter? Is that going to be the end-all, be-all for players or not? Like, nobody knows what the players' mindsets are. Um, but I agree with you. 80 to 82 wins is what I see. Um, if the Mets somehow falter, Severino doesn't go back to the old Severino. Manaya doesn't take a step up this season. Um, maybe we don't see a resurgence of a Martin Beatty like we're sort of uh, hoping for here in terms of what we have on the screen. Then you flip these MLB-ready talent guys, uh, whether it's Harrison Bader, Sean Manaya, Luis Severino, if those guys are drawing any interest whatsoever. But you also probably take calls on some of the names that you might not want to trade. And I'm not going to say his name, he who, who shall not be named, but we'll you know reserve what? that. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll save that that mess and that debacle for a whole nother stream. But yeah, absolutely. That's who I was thinking. Um, do I want that to happen? No, absolutely not. But at the end of the day, they took calls last season. 
um, in that sort of situation, and they're going to do it again, right? So that's just the fact. Um, let's see here. Drifter saying, I have more confidence in Manaya uh, than Severino. Fair assessment. Severino just rubs me wrong. Um, I'm not sure if he rubs me wrong. It depends on his location and his his command of pitches. Uh, he also has been going to that driveline pitching lab. I'm pretty sure I saw. The changeups look good. Obviously, this is just a bullpen movement, session. So we'll the see. movement on some of those pitches was looking pretty sharp. So. Yep. Let's hope you can absolutely. carry that into the season, man. Health. Health, yeah, is absolutely. health is huge for this team. Hey, did you see that he's trying to, the answer that he gave in his press conference, trying to work on more sleep? I, I found that interesting, that he was having a hard time sleeping. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of athletes, and, and I'm sure there is actual studies that prove it to be true. I mean, they even for everyday people, right? The more sleep you get, the better you feel the next day. and and the better you, your um, immune system is and all that crap, right? So I could totally see how, how having a better sleep program could is important for these guys. So, yeah, that's that was interesting to hear, but it's not, not a shock, definitely. Um, I'm surprised, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the, every player on a team gets, like, told, like, you need to sleep this many hours and this and that and the other. I mean, there's – there's so much behind the scenes stuff that happens with these guys. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, more sleep, get, get, get your sleep, drink your water too. We remember la I, multiple times over the last few years when this team has had issues with guys like cramping and having hamstring issues and, and they say they don't drink enough water. Why not? Like drink your freaking water, fellas. Like what are you doing? Yeah. So yeah, stay healthy. Simple tasks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Health, health is, is, utmost uh, priority here, especially when we're talking about the New York Mets. And for everybody's sake, that applies not only to these athletes, but to us as well. So I think Daniel's not convinced on Big Drip either. So <laughs> I think he's with you. That nickname is just awful. Like Somebody yeah. needs to slap him just for that nickname. I guess I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm a McGill hater. Like, I really am. I can't stand him. Um, Listen, Josh wait, wait saying, hold on. Hold on. I, I need to address this comment. No, Chris never reminds me. I never get the heads up that it's Hawaii Friday. <laughs> I need a little bit of a heads up here. Facts. Facts. I walked into my door not five minutes before the stream, and I was like, what am I going to wear on the stream today? And I figured I'd just call, pull out the Hawaiian Fridays. Next Friday, though, I'm warning you right now. I'm saying it on this stream, it's public knowledge. Wear the Hawaiian next week. Both wearing Hawaiians next week. Um, right, absolutely. Right. Shout out, Aaron, though. Shout out. That's my sports. Yeah, absolutely. The movement on Sevi L's changeup. Josh is saying he saw two. Videos don't lie, but does the bullpen lie? I don't know. We'll see. You know who was, you know, familiar face was also going to drive uh line drive or, or drive line. Uh Mr. Carlos Carrasco, a 36-year-old cookie going to drive line too. So don't let the Mets see that in a potential reunion. I don't want any part of Cookie Carrasco anymore. Cookie on a minor league cookie on a minor league deal for, for 2024. Who wants Imagine. to see that? <laughs> imagine this is a little bit of a fun comment here too before we get into the news around the league um do the mets get their city connects this season we've been waiting on that um that's been the rumor right like everybody's been saying that we're getting it this year so um yeah it'll be interesting i'd have no faith in really no faith in nike to 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 do us justice here uh, yeah, in no. my opinion, most of these city connects are god awful. Um, so 
I mean, I hope I hope it's nice. I whatever it is, I, I hope it I hope it's nice and it's creative because we've seen some real real doozies with these city connects. So yeah. I, I just hope it's it's yeah. a decent jersey. Yeah, absolutely. Tom's saying that jury's familiar. Was I driving like keep that man away? Keep that man away. Get it's no. We're not. I'm not. I'm not going down that road, Tom. I appreciate you giving me the insider knowledge there. But I'm not going down that road. Let's just bring them all back. Drifter saying White Sox could sign Cookie. Listen, I hope he gets an opportunity elsewhere, just not in New York, at least on the Mets side of town. So, like I said, shout out him. Always will support former Mets, but I don't want. I don't want him here. Nobody wants him here. Uh, White Sox have been signing wash players. We'll see if there's a reunion there. They're trying to stay afloat, see if they're going to sell off any pieces this offseason. So let's let's sort of steam into our last topic here before we get off um, to start our Friday, Friday evenings and our weekend evenings. So um, some news around the league. All right. Top, top of the screen here. Mr. Stroman is heading back to New York on the opposite side of town. After all that crap, he, 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 uh, was alluding to on Twitter regarding the Yankees how Garrett Cole's a cryberry, uh, crybaby. He he liked Jared Carabas's tweet saying uh, Garrett Cole's a crybaby. He talked negatively about the Yankees. I'm I'm sure those tweets are all deleted now. But he does ink a two-year, thirty-seven million dollar deal with the Yankees. Um, I was live last night when the news broke. Nelson, I didn't get a chance to ask you what your thoughts and opinions were about this Marcus Stroman signing for the Yankees. What do you? I hope he sets that clubhouse on fire. Uh, like <laughs> this guy, he talks so much crap. Like I'm sorry, he, I wanted to like the dude when he was here. He just can't keep his mouth shut. Um, I'd love to know how. Apparently, New Yorkers were were like one of just totally racist. And, and, and so, are the people in the Bronx not like? <laughs> is that what we're saying here? Because. Um, now he's comfortable playing in New York with, with all the, the racist New Yorkers all of a sudden. So, like, I don't know, man. This guy's always running his mouth. I don't like him. I hope he implodes in the Bronx. I, I got to say it. Um, I just – I can't. I can't. Most guys I can be like, whatever. This is the one guy where I just cannot. And the fact that – yeah, the, the effect that Yankee fans are actually – trying to justify this move and, and, and after all the crap they've talked about him like acting like this is a great move on their part like please like can we at least be serious here but whatever it is what it is at least he's not on our team that's all i care about yeah absolutely i know that there's uh there's two sides of the fence over there in yankees twitter been kind of lurking over there seeing what their thoughts and opinions on the signing were half the fan base is like well I mean, he's Marcus Stroman, right? He has that brand name to him. Did at least decently in the first half of last season. I think he kind of tailed off toward the end after I think he had an injury, but I think he had a 3.95 ERA overall and 10 wins last season with the Cubs. Obviously opted out of the deal, so we'll see what happens. But the other half of the fan base is just like, I don't want any part of him. And they're kind of in a weird situation now having to root for him. The head cases they have in that rotation, like Stroman – Rodone, we saw last year, is out of his mind. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Cole's an ace, no doubt, but he's also like a little off his rocker sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see how that that all plays out with 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 that crew all together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we struck a nerve with somebody here. Um, yeah, 
Well, we'll see. We'll see how the seasons play out. But nothing worse regardless. than a Yankee. Nothing worse than a Yankee Cowboy front runner. I can't. Oh, is that what you good. Go, go go watch it. I I see the little. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a Cowboys logo. Like, please oh, yeah, I see. go it's watch good. another stream, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, running down the list here, Jordan Hicks, uh, four years, 44 million. We saw that today. Shota Minaga, four year, 53 million. That deal was kind of surprising to me to see what he got, um, with the Cubs. Dodgers had a little bit of a head scratching trade to me. They, they traded their number two overall prospect for more prospect, uh, depth. One of them being a pitcher in return from the Cubs. Not really sure there. And then Brent Suter, a guy that was directly, um, related or I guess linked to the Mets this offseason, former uh, Stearns guy in Milwaukee, signs a one-year $3 million deal with the Reds. That's a bargain for what he put up in, in terms of his numbers in Colorado. So anything on this list surprise you here before we get out of here? Um, I'm not surprised by the Jordan Hicks signing. I'm surprised by the fact that I read that they want to use him as a starter. Uh, I thought that experiment had already failed and that he should be used in the bullpen. I feel like that's his best role. Well, we'll see. I don't know. The Cubs signing in Managa, that wasn't surprising, but the terms of the deal are kind of all crazy. over the place. Like that, that's that's the standard number, but the like different ways that he can get more money and whatnot, it's just odd. Um, the Dodgers trade is is an interesting one for sure. I really don't know how to feel about that one. Brent Suter, I mean, he's a guy I think we we a lot of us kind of were interested in. Um, but is what it is. I think he's from Cincinnati, so that feel kind of makes sense. Maybe he wanted to be yeah. home. Um, since he has quietly built themselves an interesting little squad, like they they've made some interesting moves this offseason, and with the young guys they got. Uh, maybe they can make some more noise. I, they were pretty in in. They were in the 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 race last year for a while. Um, so we'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what what since he's got going for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think Josh wants to bring Wandy to Queens. Um, I think Daniel's in the same realm here in terms of asking if Peralta rumors are a thing. Honestly. Like I said, we missed out on Brent Suter was a cheap option. I know that Wandy's not going to be as cheap of an option, but at this point, I like Wandy's stuff. Um, I know ex Yankee, I get all that that, but like honestly, he's got the stuff. Heavy off speed, good movement, power fastball. Uh, what's not to like about Wandy Peralta and his sample size with the New York Yankees the last three seasons? So honestly, I take both Peraltas. Go trade for Freddie Peralta and give me Wandy Peralta in the pen. Go give me both of those guys in the offseason. I think it's feasible. Honestly, I think it's feasible. If you have a budget of 10 to let's call it 10 between 10 to 20 million dollars. Let's say Martino's on the right track, but off base. Freddie Peralta carries a cap hit, a luxury tax cap hit of eight million dollars. Signed a team-friendly AAV deal, five years, $15 million, $5 million a year, plus the extra $3 on the luxury tax cap hit. Wandy's going to command, uh, maybe this is where I'm wrong. I don't think he's going to command somewhere around 10. I think he's going to be a little bit more expensive. It depends on how many years he wants as well. But they can float close to, with both those guys bringing them on the roster, maybe somewhere around, 
20 to 25 million. That's being maybe a little bit generous to us as well, but I'm going to push that narrative. Give me both Peraltas, one for the starting rotation and one for the bullpen. That's been my narrative, so I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> yeah, I know you've been banging the Freddie Peralta drum. I just I haven't seen anything that says that the Brewers are planning on trading him. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see any smoke there, so I, I really don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, if yeah, it, I yeah, wouldn't complain if it did, I, I like Wandy too. I wouldn't mind Wandy, but we'll see what happens. This we're running over over an hour now. We should probably get out of here soon. I do want to shout out Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve, say some prayers for us, please. <laughs> uh, and then this is it was true, Aaron. Um, shout out Aaron. Um, the Mets did sign Max. Kranik, Kranik, whatever you however you say his name. Yeah, signed him, picked him up off waivers, kind of same thing at this point of the offseason. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Yankees fans on the Mets channel here, sad that they don't have their own YouTube shoes. They, they, do, they do, they do, they do, but they just like to come troll, so it's fine. I mean, as long as they're being respectful, then it's fine, whatever. I don't really – like, bombs, calling us bombs doesn't really bother me. So, shout out to them tuning in, uh, giving us some attention. Love it. Anyways, we're getting out of here, man. Um one thing here, Shota Imanaga, absolutely, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess he really wanted to go to Chicago. I got no idea why he inked that deal uh, with the way this pitching market has sort of come to fruition. I believe it's four years, $53 million guaranteed with the incentives to work up to a five-year deal if the Cubs uh, pick up that fifth-year option up to $80 million. Like, that's a steal for them. Honestly, that's a steal for the Cubs. So good on them. And I guess good on Shota for getting money, but it's like, I feel like, Another team would have went a little bit above and beyond that. I don't know what his market was. I'm not an insider, but that was a little bit sketchy to me. And uh, I don't know what the Dodgers are doing, but uh, apparently they have a plan in place there, trading the number overall, uh, number two overall prospect. So we're getting out of here. This has been another episode of the Interstate Mets Report. I thoroughly appreciate everybody and anybody who is tuning in today. Yes, even if you're a Yankees fan, we appreciate you making your way over here. Uh, we got Pastor uh, Steve in the house as well. Welcome, Pastor Steve. Um, and then we got Elliot saying good job as always. Great job as always. I definitely appreciate that. We hope you guys enjoy the content as always. Make sure you all are hitting that thumbs up, subscribing to both of our channels, not only mine, but also Amish Country Mets fan on YouTube. In the description down below, you can find both YouTube channels. Uh, make sure you subscribe to both and follow us on X for all your latest podcast updates and more New York Mets talk between the two accounts. Follow us on Interstate Mets. Um, you will not be disappointed. So, Nelson, final words before we get out of here and end this stream and send everybody off into a happy, healthy, successful, whatever you want to call it, weekend um, as, as New York Mets fans. No, I just want to say thank everybody for watching. Um, appreciate everybody that came in, left a comment. Um, you guys kind of drive the show. We, we we have our topics, but we like to bounce off of off of the commenters as well. So appreciate all of you. Hope everyone has a safe and great weekend. You as well, Chris. Hope you have a great weekend. Um, thank you, Tom. Uh, that's my brother right there, Tom. Um, so, yeah, man. Hope, hopefully we get even more news to talk about for next week. And everybody be safe. Yep, absolutely. Let's go, Mets. As always, one more time, 
hit that thumbs up. It helps the podcast grow. And uh, hopefully you all enjoy the content. We'll be on here a lot more as the offseason progresses into the actual season come opening day. So as always, let's go Mets. We'll keep you all updated on both of our YouTube channels, doing weekly content, even daily content when we have the time on our hands to talk about the latest news um, surrounding Mets land and the Mets world. So let's hope for some more signings. Hopefully they go a little bit above and beyond that 10 million that Andy Martino was talking about, but it's a wait and see game at this point. As always, let's go Mets. Until next week, it's been another episode, episode 36 of the Interstate Mets Report. Peace. Thank you for watching the Interstate Mets Report. Streaming Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to at Amish Country Mets Fan and 